0: Welcome to the Tutu Artist Studio, a podcast where professional tutu artists come together to caffeinate, laugh, and talk everything tutus. Welcome to the Tutu Artist Studios podcast. Uh, Casey and I are joined here today. We're so excited. We're joined here today with uh, Catherine Zare. She is the costume designer for Ballets with a Twist. Catherine, thank you so much for spending time with us today. And we're so happy to have you on our show. Thank you. Yeah, we know. um, So Casey and I know Catherine uh, from Tutu School. Uh, We have met her several times there uh, when we had attended courses. Uh, Catherine tends to teach uh, the tiara making classes that are there, and she helps Claudia Fultz out uh, with teaching over the years. Um, and the beautiful thing about our community of tutu making is we all become fast friends and become in touch over the years. And Catherine is no exception to that.
1: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yay>! <laughs> I also want to say that, you know, I was going to talk a little bit about uh, Catherine being the ballet, des- excuse me, the costume designer for Ballets with a Twist that's in New York City. They have such a clever uh, concept. Uh, and I was so- such a fangirl. Uh, before I ever met her, so um, I think I ta- I admitted this the very first time this year whenever I uh, I met up with Catherine in July. But um, I realized one of the first times that I went to tutu school that that Catherine was going to be there teaching, and and I knew her work before I knew her, and I was all like, really? Oh my gosh, yeah, I knew I knew the ballets with I knew ballet with the twist, and I knew the costumes, and I was always so intrigued by them because they're so creative. To me, they're so creative. And uh, then I was I was like, oh, my gosh, I get to meet her. So it was kind of like meeting a celebrity.
1: <laughs> oh, brother. No oh, pressure. Bro.
2: <laughs> well, with your cocktail hour, the um, I think the most iconic costume that I remember seeing was the Bloody Mary.
1: Oh, that's real. That's photographed a lot. So Ballets with a Twist does the show. Our show is called Cocktail Hour, and it's a series of ballets based on alcoholic beverages. So, <laughs> it, it, it's really fun to do costumes for alcoholic beverages, considering I don't even like cocktails. It's not a, like doing Swan Lake or Nutcracker or Giselle. Costume designers have been costuming for years, this, the same kind of look. This is completely outside the box. You know, it's hard to find a costume that's a martini or a margarita or a gimlet or... Sex on the beach? (laughs) We actually have something like that kind of in the works. I don't know if we can call it sex on the beach, but... (laughs) We kind of need to edit it for a family audience, so (laughs) may not call it that. Who knows? I don't know. Actually, I'm remaking costumes right now for a dance that we did um, many years ago called Zombie. I found better fabric that stretches better, and it'll be easier for the dancers to get on because they're unitards with a little skirt. It's kind of crazy, but yeah, it's really fun to make these because they're just so, unusual. You can really do anything you want, and I don't have to follow traditional guidelines of certain costumes for certain ballets that are so iconic that you don't really want to screw that up. I can just do anything. Bloody Mary, as you mentioned before, was one very unusual in that I actually started making the costume before the dance was choreographed. My director, Marilyn Claus, who came up with Ballets with a Twist and the whole idea of Cocktail Hour, I was talking to her. I said, we need to do a Bloody Mary. I know exactly what I want to do. In Tutu School, they teach this technique. Claudia Foltz, who runs Tutu.com, teaches how to make a ribbon candy tutu. I had no idea how to do that. And she was coming to New York to teach, and I saw that That class was offered, and I signed up for it, and I told my artistic director, Marilyn, that I'm going to take this class because I really want to do this technique for Bloody Mary because the ribbon candy tutu edge looks like the ruff of an Elizabethan collar. Mm -hmm. And that's what was inspiring me to make that on the tutu. And I knew what color I wanted to do the costume, I have leeway to pretty much do any color, anything that I want on every costume. So this is really, this was a real challenge. So I signed up and I, I made the costume. And then by the time the dance was done and I made the bodice and got the whole tutu, it was about two years in between because I was working on other projects. I have to tell you, it was one of the hardest things i would ever done costume-wise ever.
0: The mm-hmm. ribbon candy.
1: Well, the the way I did it was most people use a stiff net and some horsehair on wide horsehair braid on the end of it. Mine, I used, I think, three layers of st- uh, net, stretch tool, other net. I think I used black and wine and. Just so many layers. And I remember Claudia Foltz walking by saying that that is just not gonna work. Not really. She's just like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm going to wait and see how this comes out. I was so meticulous. I was measuring everything within an eighth of an inch because there's so much you have to plot out before you kind of pull the two together. and. It was quite challenging, but I was so determined. i I love that costume. It's really, really nice, and uh, I recently had to remake it. I took all of the layers of the tool and net off of the panty and I remade the panty because originally this costume was made for a dancer who was five foot four. And we have dancers that are, like, almost six feet wearing it now, like 5'10", 5'11", really tall. And the costume just proportion wasn't working, so I remade it. And that was a huge project, but uh, it was worth it because now it looks terrific. It looks really nice on our taller dancers. So,
2: Catherine, would you say that that is your your favorite and most proud costume that you have made to date or do you have,
1: I don't really have a favorite costume because everyone is so challenging, mm-hmm. but I would say that's our most photographed. I'm very proud of it. I will never make another one. Let's put it <laughs> back. You don't fit the costume. Eh, sorry. sorry. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> not true. I, I would, I would adjust it a little bit. We actually have two bodices. We have one for a shorter Torso dancer and a taller torso dancer, but um, the actual tutu. Not looking forward to making another one of those. That's for sure. Yeah, but it, it's fun. I'm I'm very proud of it. It holds up really well, and uh, it's it was it was quite a challenge. That's for sure. <laughs>
2: yeah I know the tiara that goes with that um, costume. Oh, my goodness, there right, it's a, a a multitude of layers and the dimension of it. Um, I'm not a tiara maker it's it's something that I actually won't do because my hands um, I don't know they they just bleed so badly when I'm working with wire
1: I'm just I'm just too yeah, soft too soft to me, a, It takes a bit of practice, but mm-hmm. I I bet you could do it. I, I I bet I mean if you can sew, you could probably do that pretty well. You're just not giving yourself a chance.
2: <laughs> it's like stringing a guitar after, you know, 6 hours. Oh, I know
1: you get the little calluses yeah. on your hands. I know. Yeah. My my hands get a little rough when I'm doing a lot of head pieces, but you yeah. know, after a week then it it's fine. That particular headpiece for Bloody Mary was made in five sections and I had to engineer the size of these large gold beads, pearls, around the headpiece because I had to put support wires in between so I had to figure out exactly how much space I had to put beads before I needed another little support wire and then another section. I wired it. I think there's five sections that I wired that headpiece together. That, that was challenging. That was really fun i I love the challenge of something like that, trying to figure that out. and there's a vintage antique brooch in the center of it. yeah the cross in the center that I put on it's it's fun.
2: It it's fun. um I find it amazing like. The amount of engineering that is involved in the business that we are in, you know, yeah. there's a lot of people don't understand that, you know, it really does take between 36 to 40 hours to just put a basic two-two together with the, you oh, know, yeah. operations and a lot of people think, oh, we'll just pop it off overnight, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, maybe we can do a basic bodice overnight and stuff, but um Like with your tiaras, doing a five-section tiara, I can just uh, imagine right there, like each session must have been, you know, a a day's worth of work. And then figuring out how to um, piece them all together like a Lego set, you know, it's just, there's so much engineering that's in behind the scenes that, um, like, I'm trying to... Build a Pharaoh's daughter uh, Tutu right now, and because I've never done this particular role before, I'm trying to mark down all of my minutes, and there's a lot involved in this, yeah, I'm not giving myself enough credit for obviously you know the 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 grand total of everything as a whole picture, but
1: there's a lot of um engineering and math involved in making costumes. Mm-hmm. I remember I was in a <laughs> My husband and I bought a a weekend house upstate and on the weekends, back when I had weekends, um, (laughs) took these building construction classes. I was in building construction and he took some kind of uh, surveying or air conditioning, heating things. We could learn about that for our house and all that stuff. So I I walked into the building construction class the first day. Obviously, I was the only female in there. And the teacher looked at me and said, Oh, cosmetology is down the hall. Oh, I said, No. 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 Construction. Oh, yeah. Oh. I said, this is big really I, was, I was in my 20s back then. And I said, I'm in building construction. And every guy in the class just sat there with their mouths open. And they couldn't believe it. It's like, Yep, I'm here, guys get over it, you know, thinking to myself. But then as time went on, I think they started to respect me because I was the only one that could add three eighths and a quarter. They couldn't add fractions. (laughs) They didn't know how to measure. They couldn't figure any of that out. I was the only one that did. So the teacher was making me measure everybody's cutting projects because they kept screwing up. (laughs) And I remember one class, they spent the whole class trying to decide what circular saw my husband should buy me for my birthday this was an intense discussion it was really funny my dad actually was an engineer he was an aeronautical engineer so and my middle brother's an engineer so it kind of making things and is sort of in it's in the family in the family it definitely is in the family (laughs)
0: There's a uh, my my husband is I think I've talked about it before on the show, but uh, my husband is a woodworker, like a hobbyist woodworker, and um, he actually does a podcast as well about woodworking. So he and I actually talk a lot about the creative projects that we're doing, because there's a I mean, in the things that he builds and he's building furniture, you know, and I'm building costumes and there's a lot of carryover. He's always interested in kind of our process and what we do. And then, you know, kind of talking to him about that and, and the, you know, we talked to each other a lot about the math related things. Like I've never used geometry more in my life than what I have since I've started doing this. Um, You know, you find yourself like figuring out a door, putting a door in
1: something. I mean, so much math. Yeah. And
0: estimating, you know, amount of trim, how much trim do I need to order you know, how much, what's my, what's my waist and my overlap, you know, to match, to match pattern, you know, to match, you know, if it's a pattern of like, you know, whatever. Is it 45 might
1: be. inches wide? Is it six yeah. inches wide? Can you fit it on 45? How much more do you need for that? Yeah, how do I lay that out with the
0: grain and and it kind yeah. of lay like all those things. And, and a lot of that is the same, you know, and it has a lot of similarities with that and how they, you know, if he needs a big, piece of you know like a big board uh you know is he purchasing it or is he sort of like creating it and then cutting you know gluing cutting it down it together and, and yeah putting the yeah.
1: plants on gluing it together trying to make something the size he needs yeah yep. yeah there's more i think i spend more time planning a costume than making it i'll spend months sometimes on just figuring out what exactly do I need to do? Because I go to rehearsals all the time to see how the dancers are moving and we're working on a new dance. And so I'll sit through a lot of rehearsals for that very reason. Just the planning stage takes so much longer than the execution of a costume, I find. Just, uh, I guess I throw a lot of details in that the audience doesn't necessarily see but if it wasn't there, they would notice that it was not as layered of detail. And the dancers sometimes will come up to me and say, has this always been on the costume from day one? You just <laughs> never noticed it, but I notice it. Right. So that's good enough.
2: <laughs>
1: so let's uh, roll
2: over to one of our, our topics Um on our podcast we always have a couple of questions they're always you know our go-to questions so right now what is under your needle everybody
1: oh well (laughs) are you are you signed to an NDA can you talk about oh no I I can talk about it because the I'm working on I'm actually remaking these costumes for a dance that we do called zombie we have a Halloween show in Augusta, Georgia at the end of October. We've been down there before. I love that theater there. It's so fun. Uh, It's the Imperial Theater in, in Augusta, Georgia, and we will be performing at the end of October. So we're going to do a Halloween show. And I found this fabric one day when I was fabric shopping in New York, and it was exactly what I needed because the old costumes were made with uh, two layers of mesh. One was a four-way stretch, one was a two-way stretch. The two-way stretch had this silvery sheen over black, and I loved it. It has since kind of rubbed off over the years from all the washing and wear and tear, but I found a new fabric that has four-way stretch, and it has the exact finish with one layer, it'll be easier to alter. So I'm remaking those. So I just kind of got a pattern that works on almost every dancer perfectly. So I can just tweak a little bit here and there when I need to. So I'm gonna be cutting that out this weekend to get those things sewn up before we leave on our upcoming show. Then I can get a jump start on our next show. So anyway, but it's zombie. I've never had a zombie cocktail, but (laughs) what can I say? Now I want to order a zombie cocktail. I don't know. I I know. The funny thing is, every time we do a dance, I have to Google to see what the ingredients are, the backstory on the creation of it or whatever when I'm making the costumes, because I do do not like cocktails. I I was
2: just going to say it. It would probably be worth trying to taste it, because if you find that a cocktail has got – some spicy undertones to it you could probably translate that into trying to get a little bit of spiciness into the costume i think a zombie cocktail has got a little bit of um cream liqueur in there if if i'm not correct i'm gonna have to look up the ingredients but
1: yeah i think it's
2: something a little bit of uh smoothness and um maybe like a deafness or something to the i
1: like beer i like wine (laughs) champagne heart liquor cocktails it just doesn't do it for me i'm sorry i'll just take your word for it i'd rather just google it okay i just google the so i True. I'm sitting here.
0: I first of all, I had to Google bellies with a twist whenever we started, not because I don't know your work, but I had to remind myself of all of the costumes, because then as soon as you started talking about uh, the uh, Bloody Mary costume, I was staring at it as you were talking about. I'm like, oh, that's what that is. Right. (laughs) Uh, So I've been I have my reference in front of me, but I just Googled the zombie cocktail. I guess you can make it with rum. Um, but on here, I'm looking at it. It looks like it has passion fruit juice in it. Uh, it says white rum, spiced rum, dark rum. I guess so. I guess
1: it's like a rum cocktail. You um, know, sometimes I do the co- I'll make the costumes that I'm inspired by the actual color of the cocktail. Mm-hmm. But zombie yeah. was kind of inspired more by, I guess, the general overall <laughs> zombie the undead. Movie. The undead world, I guess. I don't know.
0: It It looks like a very yummy drink to have in the summertime because there's a lot of fruit juices in there and three different types of rum, which is really speaking my language.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think I'd rather just have a cold beer. (laughs) Nice glass of wine. I'm good. I'm good. It's so funny. Oh, boy. (laughs) Tell Tell me how it tasted. What was in it? You know. <laughs> it was pretty
0: funny. <laughs> yeah, so we we were talking about what's under your needle, uh, Casey. Casey, I'm gonna let Casey go last because she has a really cool project that she's working oh, on. I hope cool. she talks about it. Uh, I'm, I've been sort. I hate to say I'm being boring, but I've gotten a lot of orders for rehearsal tutus. Because it's back to school oh, that's
1: time. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So I have people ordering rehearsal tutus. And what I'm loving is that they're ordering them in really fun colors. So I've been doing like nice! red, and then so I nice. love um like there's this beautiful rose pink uh that I had to do, and then there's some I did a couple of red ones, and yeah, so I've been doing multiple uh rehearsal tutus, which has been really So fun. you're not
2: having to stick to just conservatory colors of black and white. No, Isn't people that are, nice. People,
0: I know it's fantastic. Cause we did yeah. um I've done like uh dip you know, like ombre dyed ones before my um, my own daughter has a couple, she's like four different colored ones, you know? And then, so I think just more and more people are, I hope that, you know, they're allowing the dancers to just be creative and kind of have their own colored tutu, you know, it's just kind of That's
1: fun. Wonderful.
0: It's so yeah. fun. Yeah. Awesome. Really simple pull on, you know, nice vibrant fun colors and dance. Yeah.
1: Being a dancer is hard. Having a fun tutu just makes the whole experience and, a tedious rehearsal more enjoyable, I think. I agree.
2: I agree. Yeah. yeah, it does brings a little bit of flavor and color to the dance class. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: So K- Casey calls me yesterday, video calls me yesterday. She's like, you gotta look at this. So I'm I'm putting you on the spot, Casey you gotta talk about your project. Okay. So <laughs> I
2: I I have never done um, Pharaoh's daughter. So I have just and I believe the the name of the, the role is called Expixia or Aspicia. So I did a bit of research on the roll and I thought, you know what, for heaven's sake, I have all the fabrics available on hand in my shop right now. So I'm going to make it uh, right now. It's not for a customer. This is just a personal project that when I'm finished, I'll photograph it and put it up on my website for sale. I'm I'm getting started on this and I've made the tutu base. It's a 12 layer Um, classical tutu, and it's got sparkle nets, it's got beautiful tones in it, and I've got the bodice all made up, and when I was working on the tutu plate, I was trying to research different options of how to put the plate together, and some of the videos that I've seen of people who have homemade their own Pharaoh's Daughter tutu, they did a little bit of spray painting on their top plate fabric and i thought you know what for heaven's sake i'm going to give this a try so yesterday i cut out two 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 plate bases just in case i screwed one up i always have a backup <laughs> and uh i spent a little time working on you know doing the positive and the negative for my template that i'm trying to block out when i'm spraying and it actually turns out really pretty i'm going to turn my camera around so you guys can see it up on the
1: table <gasps> Oh, is. that's what that. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. stunning. So that, first yeah. Camp, stunning. Yeah. She messaged me. She's like, you have to see this.
2: Pretty it was happy. So cool. <laughs> pretty happy. Oh, no. So I've also been working with um stretch lycra, but it is the the glitter lycra. So I've been working on cutting out all these little individual shapes so that I could. Apply them onto the bodice and
1: yeah,
2: yeah, they're like little teardrop shapes, right, Casey? Teardrops, yeah, little teardrops. So, where do you get your fabrics? Um, a lot of my my fabrics, okay, so I gotta be honest, every single piece of fabric in this shop is from New York City. Okay, I do (laughs) not have a fabric shop in town that is a um reliable source i could i can find bits and pieces odds and sods that are Mm -hmm. really good quality but it's not going to be consistent and i need something that is going to be able to be my distributor on a regular basis that i know that every time i purchase the same thing from one time to the next it's going to be the same quality
1: yeah so
2: i do buy from um quite a few shops out of new york city i also have a shop in canada it's actually in quebec city and they are my supplier for tutu net and tools. Mm. So I'm keeping that at least in Canada. I have a handy dandy little thrift store in town. She it's has a magical. magical
0: thrift store. It's magic. She yes.
2: goes there and
0: then it's like she waves a magic wand and the most perfect things show up. Right. I yeah.
2: envision, you know, I go there, I drive to the thrift store and I'm I'm just positive affirmations, Casey. You will find some <laughs> fabric at the thrift store today. And the last time I went to the thrift store, the morning of, my steam cleaner died on me. My my steamer, not my cleaner, my steamer died on me, and I'm like, oh, like an upright steamer, you know. I have to go to the thrift store and see if I can find one. So the whole time I'm driving there, I'm like, there's gonna be one there. There's gotta be one there. I mean, this is the magical thrift store. Wouldn't you believe it? There was a steamer there. <laughs> Sitting in the aisle. Get that word out. <laughs> that word is staying because I cannot believe it. I walked into the store and my eyes just went directly over oh, to the appliances yeah. section. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? There's a steamer right there. And I found myself a steamer. So, And it's a Rowenta of all things. Oh, and I got it for like
1: wow. $25. Oh my gosh, yeah. and it, it worked. was meant to be. There you go. <laughs> it was yeah. meant to be. Yeah. So the next
2: she, thing I'm envisioning in my head at the thrift store is a gravity feed iron. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that might be a little challenging. Yes, it will yeah. be. <laughs> yeah. She,
0: But Kay, uh, Casey telling us this story about the thrift store, and I, you know, I heard these stories, you know, maybe a year or so ago, and she actually inspired myself to start going to the thrift store regularly. And now my 12-year-old daughter, Ryder, loves going with me. Right. She's like, oh, we're going there because she got like a uh, like a Vera Bradley lunchbox that still had the tags on it for like three dollars. And she was loving it. And then she found like really cute shorts for a couple bucks. So she thinks it's the best thing. So she'll go there now and like thrift shop with me and I go looking for fabrics and things. We found these awesome down pillows recently for
2: my other daughter's apartment. Yeah, it's tons of fun. I just like the idea of recycling and regenerative clothing, yeah. you know, it, yeah. and it, it it does have a place in ballet it really is
1: well speaking of that i recently in new york there's this place called fab scrap i don't know if you've ever heard of fab scrap they get fabrics from designers and other places that would probably end up going to a landfill and they have a huge warehouse in brooklyn where you can go and volunteer and then you get super discounted fabrics like you volunteer to sort things i think But they just had a pop-up shop a couple blocks from my apartment for a few days. And I went down there and and I picked up a few things. But it's like they're trying to keep all this material out of landfills. So you can go and buy trims and elastic and buttons and zippers and stuff that manufacturers have left over from their season or whatever. And they sell it. They have a store in Philadelphia they have really? a store, a huge warehouse in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and they have these little pop-up shops. It's called Fab Scraps. C R E. Yeah, yeah it, it's really um, interesting. I mean, I... I need to take a truck when I go there to visit, (laughs) I'm sure. But they sell leather. They even have an online. They have a few things online. But uh, if you're lucky, you can find some interesting things. Now, most of the pop-up shop, when I went down there, I picked up a few items. But they had a lot of wool, which... Obviously if you use wool in a costume your dancer will never speak to you again. <laughs> but other than that. Yeah, it's not usually what we the do. The whole idea of recycling I, I think is really a, a great uh just a great improvement over how things were a decade ago, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I I reached out to. Oh, go ahead, Case. I'm sorry.
2: Well, I was just gonna say I think we have something similar in the Vancouver area. Um, I found them on social media a few years ago, and you can actually mail to them any of your uh, leftover fabrics. It doesn't matter what Mm -hmm. size they are or if they're even cut, you know.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, and it's called Fab Cycle Vancouver, and Mm -hmm. it's a similar um, business where they want to keep everything that is textile related out of the landfills
1: and being
2: able to, um, post them on social media. Uh, they, they do live video of when they're unboxing and, you know, sometimes I watch some of their live videos and I'm interested in some of their fabrics and stuff, but it's amazing. Some of the things that people, are willing to donate, you know, just to keeping all these things out of the landfill. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm very slowly trying to put a box together for them. But my also also my model is as minimal waste as possible.
1: You know what I I also donate little odds and ends, things that really just isn't enough for somebody to make a garment out of, but scrap literally scraps. I donate it to our uh, local preschool because little kids love to do glittery fabrics on arts and crafts, you know, yeah. it just, they take a piece of fabric, they glue it on a piece of paper. Look, mom, I made some artwork. Yeah. Great. Beautiful. You know, <laughs> really cute. But that just for their arts and crafts, I'll donate weird little things that I have floating around here over the years.
0: Yeah, I reached out to um, our local, my local library. I live in a community where there's a lot of um, uh, quilting, right? So that's extremely popular where I live as as an art form. And so um, I reached out to our local library to talk about putting together a fabric swap so that the idea is that people like me, because I have tons of fabric that's great for quilting, um, but it's not really what I use anymore, um, that I just I kind of want to get rid of, but I don't want to throw it away. I don't know what to do with it. Um, And so I thought, well, let me try this as one of the avenues. So bring it there and allow, you know, people can come and you can trade if you want to trade. The way that we're setting it up is like if kids um, part of our 4-H program, if they want to come up and and pick things up for 4-H projects or kids that are learning to sew. um, My daughter has a couple of friends that are that are learning to sew. And so they're always talking to me because they know I sew. So we kind of like, you know, kind of share a little bit. But I think with YouTube offering up so much direction you know, and, and ideas for projects and things that, that I've seen like more kids kind of expressing that they're interested in this. And so I thought, you know what, you're learning to sew. Here, have some, you know, why don't you come up and pick up some scraps? So we set up a Saturday um, in early October to get together. So I'm gonna, I can't wait to, to do it and then kind of hope it's successful and take some photos of it. And, and maybe let's try to get that as an encouraging, uh, something for people to pass forward. Yeah, Casey and I were talking about doing a um stat, smash the stash uh, challenge, right? For yeah. costumes, like yeah. you know, try to try to build costumes just using stuff you have in your stash. Um, yeah. You know. You I
2: also, guess I'm already starting on that with my
1: Pharaoh's yeah. dog. Didn't you guys do that during the pandemic? I did that. We had we had um, I mean, living in New York City, it it hit here pretty bad. Yeah. So, I mean, I would walk down the street to my studio with a mask on. I would be the only one on the sidewalk for four blocks. I didn't see another soul out there. I come in here, but we were lucky that we were able to have a few dancers that um, we could use in doing some solos and duets because they were isolated. Somewhat they either lived by themselves or their partner was also in the company and they, we were able to put together a series of dances. Well, I really didn't go fabric shopping. I did dumpster dive in my own studio to get all the supplies. And, you know, I think I ordered one thing from tutu.com and that was, that was it. I had, Mm -hmm. I made costumes for four major dances in our show just dumpster diving you accumulate so much stuff you buy fabric and you think yeah this will work but then you figure out no it doesn't really work if you're trying so hard to make a fabric work in something it's best not to use it it should just come flow more naturally so I would put it aside and you end up using it down the road anyway and if you don't You know, donate it to someone else who can. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: I just think it's a it's a responsibility. You know, now we're in the day and age where there's just so much uh, focus on you know our waste and mm-hmm. trying to minimize how much of a footprint that we're making on the planet. Here, I think this is it's a perfect step forward for people in our industry where there is such a huge amount of waste that. Uh, everybody's got to start small and every single time you make a small baby step forward, it, it makes an impact.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does. It definitely does.
2: Yeah. So Catherine, I was just kind of wondering,
0: uh, so you're from the Midwest, right? And well, then you moved out to mm-hmm. New York city. What, how, what was your introduction to sewing and what kind of brought you to New York city? Was it for school or job? Well,
1: uh, my introduction to sewing was, my grandmother, my mom's mom, was a really incredible sewer. And I remember sewing on my mom's machine probably when I was about seven, eight years old. I started sewing on her old Singer machine. It had a wooden case. It was really it was really nice. It only went front, forward and backwards. There was no zigzag back in those days on her machine. And my I used to make you know, close to my Barbie doll. Did you yes. see the Barbie movie? I yep.
0: love the Barbie movie.
1: <laughs> I those dresses like the iconic ones that yes. I had so many of those. Yes. I had an original Barbie doll. So, but just making, wasn't that I played with the doll so much. I liked just making things. the doll, you know, like making garments, making stuff. When I went to college, I I wanted to go to art school because I liked to paint as well. And my parents said, no, you know, you're not going to art school. Just get a liberal arts education. And so I majored in art history because I love museums. My mother was an art major and in college. So after I finished that, I enrolled at Washington University in St. Louis and took fashion design courses because while I was in college, I got a job at a big fabric store in St. Louis, Jackman's Fabrics. Um, It was a real high-end fabric store, it was great. They were like the first ones to have ultra suede, which was so unusual back in the 70s to have ultra suede like during the era of Halston. It was fun. I loved working in a fabric store. So I took fashion design courses at Washington University, and one of my professors there said, "You need to move to New York." Sure, okay. <laughs> so I researched schools in New York: um, Parsons, Pratt, and FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology. And I chose FIT. So I remember flying up there one day with my portfolio early in the morning. Went to FIT. Went through this big, long interview with my portfolio in this big auditorium. And it was really so scary (laughs) to (laughs) do that. And then later that evening, I hopped back on a plane and flew back to to St. Louis. And a few months later, I got a notice that said, you're accepted. So I'm like, great moved to New York. So this was applying for their fashion design program. And they had a special program back there that if you you had a college degree or close to it, they were accepting you in this special program. It was kind of an accelerated thing. So, <clears throat> so I um, flew to New York and uh, went to FIT. And I graduated with a degree in fashion design. And I worked in the garment industry for 10 years, which was a huge learning experience. Um, just I acquired so much knowledge, um, pattern making and draping, how fabrics go together, what works with what. I just uh, it, it was it was quite a decade of just absorbing what New York City had to offer and just how much was going on here. It was such a vibrant time back then. I worked for a lot of big names, but I think my favorite job was with a company called Liz Claiborne. Liz Claiborne was big back in the eighties. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: I remember. Yeah.
1: Well, I remember going there for my interview with her for a job. She hired, she hired me and which was great. Working with her was the best experience that I had in all of the garment industry because of the way she treated her workers. I learned a lot. She really rewarded the people who worked hard. Like you had a lot of bonuses and benefits and things. That keeps good workers in your company when they feel like they are respected for their ability and I really learned a lot there. I mean, it, it was a, a great thing, but then she and her husband decided to retire from the company, so I ended up leaving there the same week that she and her husband retired from, so then I ended up having my daughter. I enrolled my daughter in ballet class. I remember the Marilyn was Marilyn. My current artistic director had this ballet school, and she asked me, Oh, can you help us out with some costumes? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, You know, that's how all of us moms get suckered that, in. How we get in. That is why I'm baby. blasting I right think now. 95% of the people doing costumes were moms with one of their kids in ballet and, you know, whatever. Yep. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm really. I'm really busy. I don't really have time. Well, I went to the first recital and they have these heinous looking beige <laughs> leotards. And I've told Marilyn this, so I know she, she knows. I've told her, like these, these terrible things. And I'm looking at my kid and I'm looking at all the other kids. I'm like, okay, these girls from my neighborhood are not going to be wearing this. <laughs> That's the big old. I know. It, Draw the line. That's how I got into costumes. I just started making it for them. And then it got to be, over the years, it got to be when I would come to see what they were doing. And, and the kids would run up to me, is my costume done? Is my costume done? I'm like, oh. back off, you know. I'm it <laughs> as quick as I can. It was so funny. Oh, it was So, so funny. But after that, that was the beginning of me getting into costumes. Like, I'm sure all you guys do the exact same thing. You know, you end up, they find out you can sew and that's the end. You know, you're stuck doing it for the rest of your life. So, yeah,
2: I think I did it for about uh, 11 years at the first studio that we were at. which you know, it it blossomed into me the final few years. I was no longer uh, a volunteer. (laughs) They finally started paying me for my jobs that I was doing. Yeah.
1: Well, now I get paid too. Yeah. For the first decade or so, I, I, I did it like a volunteer, you know, I would go buy fabric and I just, I liked doing it. It was really fun. And it was also a learning curve. That's, that's really interesting. Transitioning from garment industry to costume design, you'd think, oh, there's no difference. What's the difference? It's it's a huge difference. Yes. The, I remember um, finding out about tutu.com on the internet back then. And <laughs> I had never made a tutu before, so I enrolled in the first very first class they had up in uh, the New York City area. It was actually in New Jersey, over near the Newark Airport, in a hotel. And so I would get up like at the crack of dawn, drive through the Holland Tunnel over to the airport, go to the hotel park, sew all day, drive home that night. It was like no sleep. Get up the next day and did that for a week. And I learned how to make a tutu. I made my very first tutu and I learned how to wire tiara and I was hooked. I was hooked. But one of the things that we did on that tour is we took it. We took a tour, the New York City Ballet costume shop. And Holly Hines was the head of the costume shop at that time. And I remember thinking, oh, man, this is really a cool place to work. And she said she made some comment about people in fashion think they can do costumes, but they're not the same thing. And I'm sitting there smugly saying, oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) I cannot tell you to this day how special spot on right she was because there's no way just to be able to move in clothes the way you need to do as a dancer you just don't know that when you're a fashion designer and I know even now New York City Ballet brings in you know well-known fashion designers to come in and design a costume well I know the shop remakes the designs to make them wearable and even then sometimes they're just They weigh a ton. They're just you still can't move the fabrics they want to use are hard. I know it's really tough, but fashion designers are not costume designers. Mm -hmm. And they can if there's a good support staff that can get you in that direction. Fine. But it's it is a definite learning curve. And I learned on these little kids this is itchy. I can't move my arm. This is yeah, cuz they will
0: let you know.
1: <laughs> they will No let filter no. with children. I have yeah. learned and which was wonderful for me because I'm kind of of the mind that I don't want to know how good something is. I want to know what's wrong with it. Tell me if that looks bad. Tell me if that feels bad. Tell me if that just doesn't work. That's what I want to hear. I don't want somebody to say, "Oh, this is so pretty. Oh, this is really nice." yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. I want to know what's wrong with it. Because that's the only way you get better. That's the challenge to see if you can solve that problem. That's what I think. Yeah. Anyway, am I off topic? Nope, you're You're doing awesome.
0: You're doing fantastic. Yeah, I I love it. Yeah, I love that you've like kind of the same start that we all did. Yeah. <laughs> it's not different.
2: Yeah, every one else. of us. have all, we've yeah. all the, the only same
1: difference thing. with yeah. me is that I have a degree in fashion design. Right. So I have a little more technical knowledge than some people who sew. But if you've been sewing your whole life, it's the same thing. The nice thing about going to FIT and the reason I picked that school is because they were so technically oriented to learn how to actually make a pattern without buying a commercial pattern is is was life-changing for me career-wise. Mm-hmm. I really love that. And learning how to drape on a mannequin, that was really a game-changer. I don't drape so much, but I flat pattern a lot. I only drape if there's something that would be, it, it's easier to drape. Like, you know, you have a lot of stuff hanging here or there or everywhere. Sometimes it's easier to drape, but... I flat pattern all the time. Mm-hmm.
2: So that, that's where you can also bring in with our topic that you went to, FIT. They teach you the pattern making skills. They teach you the great skills. Oh, yeah. the right skills. And, and that all translates into everything that you're now doing today. And it gives you such a richness mm-hmm. in your abilities. What can you say for our listeners who are just getting started and they're, they're absolutely frightened of taking that first step forward?
1: what i find with a lot of designers today is a lot of people are being told in certain schools which shall remain nameless but that oh you'll have people that will do that you don't need to know how to make a pattern you don't need to drape you just need to draw a pretty picture and swatch your picture and then you'll have technical people to do it that is just such baloney if you don't know how to make a pattern how can you tell somebody to correct the pattern if it doesn't if you don't know how to fit a garment on a body? How can you tell somebody to fix that? You're useless to me if if you're coming in it with that kind of an attitude. The more technical knowledge you have, the better. And never stop taking classes. Never stop taking workshops. I take millinery workshops because I never made a hat before. I've, I take a lot of millinery class just because they're fun, but I've learned how to do so many things. Why be afraid? What's the worst thing that can happen? You screw it up. Well, so you do it again. You Fail forward. only yeah. yes, yeah. exactly. That's a great yeah. phrase. That's a great phrase. I really think when you come out of school, you need to at least have something to offer. You want to get a first job, have some good technical skills. You can always move into being the great quote designer. You know, so many people can draw a pretty picture. Do you know how to make that? Do you know how to put that together? Can you tell? You know, can you figure out what fabric's going to work to get that crazy? thing flying off one side and flying off the other. Do you have to wire it? Do you need to support it some other way? Do you have to hoop the skirt? Do you have to put tons of interfacing somewhere? You need to know how to build that thing from inside out, you know. And people that don't want to learn that or don't think they have to learn that are just shooting themselves in the foot, I think.
0: Yeah. I and think they're just limited. It seems so limiting. If limiting. You, if you yeah. only know how to just draw the picture and give the directions. I think now you've pigeoned yourself or sort of pointed yourself in sort of one place it, when you know all the other things, how to flat pattern, how to design it, how to draw, you know, draw the pattern, fit the pattern, you know, do all the things, construct it, troubleshoot mm-hmm. it. Now you've given yourself this wide breadth of potential opportunities for yourself right? And, and other places that you can work, you know, and start to learn. Um, it, yeah, it just seems silly that you would have do one thing, you know, when you could learn to do all the things, right? And then, as you said, you know, kind of through time, you know, build yourself to that place.
1: Michelle, you are spot on. You're absolutely right. I mean, I think one of the things working in the garment industry, I was never one of those people who wanted to be the next great designer. I love design, but I think what it really boiled down to is I just like making things. I like the challenge of trying to figure out how to make something, and I like, I've always loved sewing. I like that part, and I think costuming has given me the opportunity to really do that more. When you're in the garment industry, you know, you're dealing with Stores is that going to sell? You know, do you have how many tops for bottoms? You know, how many dresses? How many jackets? How many this and that? With costumes, it's a real different mindset, I think. And and um, the the crazier the thing is, the more I like to try to make it. You know, the headpieces. I only suffer through the costume to make the headpiece, I always say, because I like trying to make the headpiece. It's like the it's like the cherry on top of the sundae making the headpiece. But yeah.
2: Well, I think the fact that um, you have all this experience and all this knowledge from the grassroots, Building your way through to where you are today, I always call it a holistic pathway. That's it's just the way that I talk. but um, it I think for our listeners is that um, you you can't cheat through the process. And I think if you if you start whittling away certain parts of that process, you're you are shooting yourself in the foot. Um, if you're wanting to get into, you know, whether costuming or making garments or, you know, starting school and starting in fashion design, you have to really embrace taking all of the different courses and trying your best in all of the different courses. And if there's something that, you know, you're just lacking in, you need to be able to be brave enough to ask for help from the people who know Mm -hmm. and to just diversify yourself as well because you know you can't just walk into a new york city costume shop but not know how to pattern a pair of pants
1: right that is right that is right and there's so many great costume shops here in new york you know if you want to be a costume designer getting a job in one of those just seeing what other people are doing exposing yourself to that and and you'd be surprised how generous people are with their time and their information that they're willing to share with you. If you make an effort to want to learn instead of sitting back saying, oh, I'm I'm a great designer, I'm a great illustrator, I'm just too cool for my own good, you know, that's that doesn't get very far, I don't think. This is kind of off topic, but... A number of years ago, um, FIT invited us to participate in one of their series called Designing for Dance, and I think they had the Martha Graham Company there and a few others, and they had these big talks about what it is designing for dance, and they had a big um, show in their museum and everything, but Ballets with a Twist was invited to participate in that uh, talk. And so I was invited to the same theater, and it was sold out. It was packed. I had friends that came that I didn't even know were there, (laughs) and we had excerpts from Our dancers would show the costumes and I would talk a little bit about them. But it was the same auditorium where I had originally flown up and had my first interview with the school and with my little portfolio. And I remember sitting in there looking around thinking, I feel like I've actually made it.
0: Yeah, like a full circle moment.
1: It was a full circle moment and it was really cool. And then the next day I was washing costumes out, and you know <laughs> with my rubber gloves and my dish detergent. <laughs> <laughs> sewing. So the glamour part lasts about five minutes out of a whole year.
0: So when you went back for Designing for Dance, was that also, uh, you said you had an exhibit at FIT? I remember well, you talking about this at Tutu School. Is my, this part yeah, of it?
1: My costumes were not in their exhibit. It was something a little separate. My dancers were in my costumes during that lecture, that talk. Okay, Okay. yeah. Yeah, that's it. They so would wonderful. do like a... a very short excerpt of a dance and then we would talk about the costume and and uh, how I made it and what was my inspiration and you know and at the end of the whole thing there was a question of what do you recommend students to do and I'm like get your technical skills as much as you can I can't even emphasize that enough So tell us a little bit about Ballets with a Twist. It is a touring company. Occasionally, we perform in the New York City area, but it is definitely a touring company. We do a lot in the Midwest, out West. We've been coast to coast. This year, we're in Little Rock, Arkansas, Augusta, Georgia, Um, we're going to Pennsylvania, and um, next year I think we're doing the Carolinas. We have a long repertoire of various cocktail dances. And depending on where in the country we're going, what time of year it is and the size of their stage, we cater the dance to fit the parameters that we're given. We just pick and choose like from actual menu of dances. We pick and choose what fits and we put it together and that's our show. So every time we perform, the show is different. It's never the same exact show. And we reuse the costumes over and over again. You don't just do it and then get rid of them and do something else. No, we plug it back into the menu somewhere down the road. But we have enough. We have, I think, closing in on 40 dances where we pick and choose. And, um, yeah, it's great. And then I I put together my costume book for – each venue I just pull out what we need I have a list of every single thing for every single dance figure out who's wearing what costume plug that into the book and I have that backstage and everybody knows where everything is and where to put it and I set up backstage and I break it down backstage and it's it's a lot of work yeah
0: well, Catherine, thank you so much for all of your time today. I loved hearing all, like about your journey. I love when we all are able to sort of like realize we started in the same place. Everybody, you
1: know? yeah. But don't you ever ask people in tutu school like how'd you get started? Everybody's doing it for their kid. It, it's the
0: same. Yeah. It's all. It's nearly the same couple of stories that you hear over oh, and over. Always. And and that's why I love asking that question. How did you get started? Because that's the one place that I think we're all able to find that one connection, Mm -hmm. right? We're reaching out and connecting with each other. You know, in addition to that, we all are, are kind of part of that same art, you know, of creating things, but that we all really kind of start in sort of the same place. And then I love how all of our pathways are you know these meandering sort of pathways and i think that one of the reasons i really want to have you on is because you know you do uh, the work for ballets with a twist but i knowing things about you from the from the past like how is your pathway you know different from some of the other people that we spoke to and i just think you can offer a lot of great you have offered a lot of great advice and and uh, some inspiration for and guidance really whether you're aware of it or not for people that are considering how to go through this you know how to continue and and, and go with this career making
1: costumes is just so much fun. Oh, it, it feeds my
2: soul. Is. I know you yeah. can't oh wait to God. get up in the morning to do I, this. It's so
1: much fun. I love I to yeah. sit
2: up my sewing <laughs> machine. Honestly, I could do this for yeah. 20 hours a day. If I, if I had the stamina could stay to the I
1: long enough to do that. Yeah, I, I know it, it's yeah. what makes me want to get up in the morning.
2: Absolutely. I can't yeah. wait
1: to come to work and, you know, I say I work seven days a week. Well, what else would I do?
2: <laughs> well, it's been such a, a wonderful chat with you today, Catherine. Um, I'm sure all of our listeners today are just going to get a huge amount of, uh, you know, inspiration and um You know, we we definitely feel the generosity that you've given to us today with your time. Um, It's been a wonderful podcast, and we are so incredibly grateful for you being here with us on the show. So thank you, Catherine Zayer, for being on our podcast this, this
1: morning. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. It's really fun. Thank you.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed our podcast. We would love it if you would leave a rating and a review, as well as like and subscribe to our podcast. Join us in the conversation. Our contact information is in the show notes, but you can find us together at Tutu Artist Studio on Facebook and Instagram, or find us separately as Casey at Tidewaterdancewear.com and on Facebook and Instagram at Tidewaterdancewear, and Michelle on Etsy, Facebook, and Instagram at I Can't I Have Dance Shop. Thanks again for joining us.